0: my grace to when you came you made no way now, will may come and
1: be free cross welcome to the crossside radio program sponsored by Joshua Revolution crossside is a radio talk show dedicated to proclaiming the message of the cross we want to encourage you to open your Bible with us as we study the life-changing revelation found within the scriptures of how to live the victorious Christian life. Now, let's go into the studio of Joshua Revolution on Grand Island, New York, with your host, Mike Chory.
2: Welcome tonight to CrossSide Radio. We're coming to you live from Grand Island, New York. This is your host, Mike Chorey. And we're with you here for the next 90 minutes, and what a show we have for you tonight. And we are uh, under some snow here tonight, Western New York, getting a little bit what we normally get this time of year, so we can't complain, but it's been an incredible winter up to this point. But we hope tonight that you're somewhere safe and warm, and you can just, uh, I don't know, uh, have a cup of hot chocolate or coffee or tea, whatever your delight is, and you can sit back and be a part of this program. We count it such a joy and such an honor to be with you each and every Saturday night. We are in our eighth year and uh, that's quite a long time and we consider it such an honor to be on WDCX every Saturday night from nine o'clock to 10.30 following Warriors Radio with Pastor Charlie Ashker. And here tonight to help me on this broadcast, uh, Brother Bill Bonifacio from the Ministry of Joshua Revolution. Well, it's great to be here, Pastor, and look forward to the show tonight. <laughs> Absolutely. And Bill, we have an incredible show tonight. Over the last several weeks, uh, I'll say the last two weeks and, and then this week uh, included in that, we have been taking our listeners into the Niagara 19 Youth Conference. Just a few weeks ago, over 500 people gathered in the Conference and Events Center in Niagara Falls for our annual Christmas Youth and Family Conference And the power sessions, which is what we call our general sessions, were so incredible, so used of God that I really felt we needed it to hear it again on Cross-Eyed Radio. Many, many, of course, most of you listening tonight were not there, were not a part of that conference called Send Me. And the Holy Spirit was moving in such a mighty way and I I, I know uh, some of you have probably already heard this, but our son, Matthew, who is disabled, he's 23 years old. Uh, he was born with a terrible genetic disorder that took his ability to walk and talk away from him. He's never walked, he's never talked, uh, other than saying on a very rare occasion a word or two. But at Niagara 19, God touched him and he spoke. He opened his mouth and he spoke one word three times and I think the word that God gave him really epitomizes and really explains, I think, what we were experiencing at Niagara 19. And the word that he used was hallelujah. And he said that three different times. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And so that, that word, which means praise the Lord, is um, I think it sums it up in a nutshell, Bill. Mm-hmm. We saw God save, deliver, heal, fill young people and adults with His holy Spirit. And as this session tonight that we're going to bring out with Brother Bill Weese, God put the the fear of God in each and every one of us. And the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And I don't mean fear of God meaning, oh, we're afraid of God, but we reverence Him and we respect that His word is true. Every word in this Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, is anointed and it's from God and it's going to come to pass if it hasn't come to pass already the prophetic word is going to come to pass and brother Bill Weiss uh, is a man that had an experience with God where God literally took him out of his body in a vision took him to hell for 23 minutes and experienced all what hell is like mm. and tonight we want to play this for you and we're going to be talking about it as we come back after this message but buckle your seat be- uh, buckle your seat belts open your bible this man has more scripture than anyone i've ever heard preach the gospel and he's experienced something that none of us has experienced but god brought him back to tell us the true story and it lines up completely with the scriptures. This is the message most of the church is not hearing, and this is the message the devil doesn't want you to hear. It's about hell, and it's only Jesus and the cross that can save you from it. So let's go into the Conference and Events Center in Niagara Falls for this power session with Brother Bill Weiss.
3: Well, it's a blessing to be here at Niagara 19. Uh, Very excited, my wife and I, and thank you so much, Pastor Mike, wherever he's at, uh, for having us. We're very honored to be in your pulpit and we don't take this lightly. Thank you all for coming. Um, You're very blessed with Pastor Mike. We've gotten to know him a little bit, and he's an amazing man of God. So committed to the things of God and to the Word. He values the Word of God. I really appreciate his heart, and you're very blessed to have him. Amen? Amen. All right. Praise God. It's hard to see you guys. There you are. Those lights are so bright. Anyway, I want you to just quickly meet my wife. Let's hand up, real quick. Annette, that's my beautiful wife. I married way over my head, so that proves God's still in the miracle-working business. Amen. I'm a blessed man. I wouldn't be here without her. You know, uh, this subject of hell generates a lot of difficult questions. I won't be able to answer them all tonight because we don't have the time, but we answer them uh, if you go to our website, 23minutesinhell.org, or our YouTube channel, Bill Weiss TV. We have hundreds of videos up answering all the difficult questions that this generates, such as, you know, why does a person living 80 or 90 years in sin, which people are if they don't know Jesus, why does that deserve an eternity of punishment? The crime doesn't seem to pit the punishment. What about the guy in the remote jungles of Africa or wherever around the world that never heard the gospel? Is he going to go to hell? What about why can the demons torment you in hell? Are they not in torment? What about a person that's really a good person? Why can't they be at least let out of hell after a time and so forth? Anyway, we answer all these difficult questions because there are scriptural answers for these, but most people don't know them. And so the topic of hell is avoided in a lot of churches because they cannot a lot of the pastors cannot reconcile a loving God with a God that would allow suffering in hell for all eternity And hell is eternal. I prove that through the scriptures. It's real literal fire. I prove that through the scriptures and uh, there are two locations for hell I explain all that and so I can't get to all that tonight but I encourage you to go there and you can see uh, ex- what I explained. Um, on November 23rd 1998, I had an experience that changed my life. It doesn't matter if you believe my experience. What matters is that you check out what the Bible has to say about hell and avoid it just the same. This was not a near-death experience. This was an out-of-body experience that's classified as a vision in the Bible. In 2 Corinthians 12, 1 and 2, Paul, when he was caught up in heaven in a vision, he said whether in the body or out of the body, he didn't know. Well, the Lord showed me that I left my body. So to explain a little, in a vision you can actually travel, like Paul and John actually went to heaven in their spirit bodies. 1 Corinthians 15.44 talks about a natural body and a spirit body. And in Ezekiel chapter 8, he was picked up by his hair, carried from Babylon to Jerusalem in a vision. He was told to eat. He experienced the sweetness of the food in his stomach. He wept, he conversed. My point is in a vision, you can experience the same things in your spirit body that you would in your physical body. And it's just as real. this is not to compare my experience with any of the great men in the Bible. I'm just trying to give you a scriptural basis of how this can occur for a Christian. The only way a Christian can see hell is in a dream or a vision. This happened in 1998. At that time, I was a Christian for 28 years. So I've been saved for 50 years, praise the Lord. I got saved when I was 17, so you can know how old I am. But <laughs> uh, Anyway, so Job 7.14 says, You scare me with dreams and terrify me through visions. So you can have a terrifying vision. Isaiah 21.2, he was given a grievous vision. And in Job 4.14, Eliphaz was given a vision that caused his bones to shake. So you can have a grievous, terrifying, bone-shaking vision. And one thing that was unique about this vision, God blocked it from my mind that I was a Christian. You say, Bill, where's that in the Bible? In Luke 24, 16, when Jesus appeared to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, it says their eyes were holding that they should not know him. John MacArthur's commentary and Matthew Henry's commentary point out, quote, they were kept by God from recognizing him. So God hid it from their minds. Uh, many examples of this in the Bible, John 20, 14, Luke 18, 34, Daniel 4, 34, 2 Kings 4, 27, all places where God hid something from their mind, and he hid it from my mind for a reason which I will get to and explain, Okay. It's real important, I'll get to that. And, um, you know, also, um, you might say, Bill, but I'm, I'm a, a Christian, I'm not going to hell. Why do I need to hear about hell? Three quick reasons. Number one, when you understand how severe hell is, you'll be much more appreciative of your own salvation from what he saved you from. See, a lot of Christians today believe in a teaching called annihilationism, and that's a teaching that says you simply cease to exist if you deny Jesus. That's not true. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 46, these shall go into everlasting life, and these shall go into everlasting punishment. He used the word everlasting. He used the same word, ionios. So just as heaven is everlasting, so is hell everlasting. It says the same thing in John 5, 29, Mark 16, 16, Daniel 12, 2, Acts 24, 15, Matthew 13, 30, Revelation 14, 10, 11, and many other verses that show you hell is eternal, and you will thank God you don't have to go there as a Christian. And number two, it causes us as Christians to walk more in the fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 17 said the fear of the Lord is simply to read His Word and to obey His Word. Remember, Jesus said, my mother and brethren are those that hear the Word of God and do it. But many Christians today, they they say the sinner's prayer. And they think, well, I'm in the born-again club, and they just live a lifestyle of sin. They still backslid and play around with sin. And that's dangerous because Jesus said in Mark 9, 47, and he's talking to the apostles. He said, if your eye offends thee, and the word offend means causes you to sin, he said, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter into life maimed than into hell fire. So he's telling you, if you're playing around with a sinful lifestyle, living a habitual lifestyle of sin, and think you're saved, you're on dangerous ground. But see, when you understand how severe hell is, you will not want to play around with sin. You want to walk straight with God. See, Proverbs 16, 6 says, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. It's that healthy, reverential fear of Almighty God. Now, I know we are to cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. But at first, we have to have a healthy, reverential fear of Him. Because He's not just loving, He's just and holy. And He said, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. So that's what we're called to do, is walk a straight... Walk with God, and, the, and seeing hell will give you still that fear of God in your life. Number three, it will give us more, as Christians, a passion for the lost, a desire to want to witness. Bill Bright said only 2% of Christians even bother to witness. That's sad, because Jesus told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's for every one of us, not just for the pastor. And see, when you see again how severe hell is, you'll think, man, I didn't know it was this bad. I didn't realize it. So you'll think, I can't let my family go there or my friends. I've got to do something about it. Now you'll pray more fervently. Maybe you'll even fast for your family member to not go there. You'll get on your knees and cry out to God for their salvations, not just some weak little prayer. You'll be more fervent with your prayer. And, uh, you know, and it'll give you that desire. And I'm not talking about each day when you get up, you know, Uh, you know, or chase people down with the Bible. I'm talking about each day, have a heart like God wants us to have and say, Lord, use me today. Put me in front of somebody today that I can share your word with. I'm available, Lord. Don't look any further. I'm available. Use me. Okay, if you have that heart and desire, God will put people in front of you every day. And, And we have the easy part. God does all the orchestrating and getting there. All we have to do is open our mouth and share the gospel. You don't have to know the whole Bible. The power of God is in the cross and in the gospel. When you preach the gospel to people, it convicts their heart. Just seeing a cross convicts people's hearts. That's why so many atheists today want to take the cross down from all across the nation. Because it convicts them of their sin. So that's the power. You just have to preach the word. And it's so much fun being a soul winner. To see people change their hearts. God changed their hearts and come to know him. So, anyway, understanding hell, in 2 Corinthians 5, 10, and 11, Paul said, Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Now, even though that scripture is talking about the judgment seat, the reward seat for Christians, most of the commentaries agree that he was also talking about judgment and hell in general. So, when you understand judgment and hell in general, you'll be more persuasive with men. You'll take more effort. Can you see that? And actually, Ezekiel 33.8 says, if we fail to speak to warn the sinner from his way, his blood will I require at your hand. That's a strong verse. It's saying God holds us partially accountable if we don't witness. Now, I'm not talking about to every single person you see. But when God, the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and says, go, speak to that person, you drop everything and you go. You obey God. And it says the same thing in Acts 20.26 and Acts 18.6. Colossians 1.28 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man. That's why Paul said, I'm free from the blood of all men. I have not failed to, uh, to declare the full gospel to the people. So uh, he said, you know, he's free from all that because he took the opportunity. He knew. And that's what I want to instill in you. But I want to take just four and a half minutes before I get into what happened and share with you a short video um, This was done by a Christian uh, youth ministry. So I want you to watch this, this video quickly.
4: What if, what if you had a friend who died without knowing Jesus as their personal savior? What if he or she went to hell? What if one day you received a letter in the mail from beyond? A letter from hell. A letter from your friend in the flames of eternal torment. The following is a dramatic presentation. It was written by a fictitious high school student named Josh to a friend named Zach. Although Zach had every opportunity to tell Josh about Jesus, he didn't. They were best friends. They played soccer together, they went to classes together, they partied together, they shared their lives with each other. But there was one thing Zach held back from Josh his personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The rest of the story is simple and sad. A few too many beers, a tragic drive home, a crash, a death, a funeral, a letter. Here is that letter in its entirety, a letter from Al. Dear Zach,
5: I died today, it's a lot different than I expected. You see, I always thought dying would bring me into a world that's foggy and hazy, but this place is crystal clear. It's even more real than my life on earth. I can think, I can talk, I can even feel. Right after the wreck, I could feel my spirit leaving my body. It was the weirdest thing, Zach. I thought I heard you screaming out to me, man. I must have been just imagining things. At first, I was just standing in line, getting registered, I guess. They asked me for my name, and began to look in this thing they called the Book of Life. I guess they couldn't find it though, because this huge angel standing next to me grabbed me by the arm and started dragging me away. I was terrified. I had no idea what was going on. I asked the angel where he was taking me, but he didn't answer. So I asked him again. Finally, he told me that only those whose names were written in the book of life could enter into heaven and the rest would be condemned to hell forever and I was scared. The angel threw me into some kind of holding cell where I've been sitting and thinking for a long, long time. Do you want to know what I've been thinking about? I've been thinking about you. Zach, you're a Christian. You told me so yourself. I mean, we talked about it three different times today. Kelly brought it up, and you laughed it off. Coach Adams brought it up, and you changed the subject. I mean, it came up right before the wreck. Well, the question I can't get out of my mind is this, Zach. Why haven't you ever told me about how to become a Christian? I mean, you say you're my friend, but if you really were, you would have told me about this Jesus, and told me how to escape this terrible place that I'm headed for. I can feel my heart pounding in my chest. The angels who have been chosen to cast me into hell are coming down the hallway. I can hear their footsteps. I've heard of this hell, Zach. They call it the Lake of Fire. I can't stand it, Zach. I'm terrified. No, the angels are at the door. Oh no. No! They're coming in and they're pointing at me. They're grabbing me and carrying me out of the room. I can already smell the burning sulfur and brimstone. I can see the edge of the cliff where hell burns. This is it, I am without hope. We're coming closer, closer, closer. My heart is bursting with fear. They're holding me over the flame. I'm damned forever. This is it, they have thrown me in. Fire, pain, hell. Why is that? Why didn't you ever tell me
4: about Jesus? Signed Your friend Josh Your friend Josh Yes, yes. Well, Wish you were
5: here. Wish you were here.
3: You know, this is not meant to condemn us, but it is meant to convict our hearts. You know, we carry the words of life. God's entrusted us with the gospel. That's a privilege and an honor. And we can say something to someone that can change their whole eternity. If we're just willing. We went to a prayer meeting that we attended every Sunday night. Nothing unusual about the night. I had never studied the topic of hell at that point. I had never been to dark movies. I've never drank. I've never taken drugs. And I never had a vision before. And I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning just to get a glass of water. And I was, I was walking to uh, the kitchen. And on my way through the living room, something grabbed me and pulled me up out of my body and I saw my body fall to the floor and I began tumbling down this long, dark tunnel. And it was getting hotter and hotter. And I entered this open cavern-like area falling and then I landed on a stone floor in an actual prison cell in hell. I had no idea how I got there or why I was there. I was fully awake and cognizant, just like I'm standing here now, in this filthy, stinking, smoke-filled dungeon with rough-hewn stone walls and bars. Isaiah 24, 22 says, and they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit and shall be shut up in the prison. Proverbs seven twenty-seven mentions going down to hell to the chambers of death. The word chambers means inner rooms. Job 17, 16 says, they shall go down to the bars of the pit. And Jonah 2, 6, the earth with her bars was about me forever. And Jonah said he was in hell and Jonah 2, 2. And this is where I first found myself, down on the floor. And the first thing I noticed was the intense heat. I wondered, how could I be alive? It's far beyond the ability to sustain life in this burning heat. And my reaction was I wanted to get up and run out of this prison cell. But I noticed I could hardly move. It took so much effort for movement. I thought, what's wrong with my body? But Isaiah 14, 9 and 10 says, Hell from beneath is moved to meet thee at thy coming. They will say, art thou become weak as we and Psalms 88 four says, I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I'm as a man that has no strength. Now, if you've ever had the flu and you felt weak, a thousand times worse than that. Any movement takes tremendous effort in hell. But see, Acts 17 28 says in him, we live and move and have our being. So movement comes from God. It's not automatic. Uh, I looked up and I saw these two demons in this cell, reptilish in appearance, bumps and scales all all over the one's body, huge jaw, sunken in eyes, claws about a foot long. And these particular two are about 12 or 13 feet tall. That's not an exaggeration. I can give you scripture for that. Genesis 6, 4, Deuteronomy 3, 11, and some others indicate. Anyway, uh, and these demons had the, the most grotesque Hideous look to them, and they were pacing in the cell like a vicious caged animal. And then the one demon picked me up, grabbed me, and threw me into the wall of this prison cell. Tremendous strength demons have, and you have none. And uh, he, he, it was like I weighed the weight of a water glass. I hit the wall. I felt as if every bone in my body had broken. That's just how I felt. And I collapsed to the floor, and I wondered why am I alive through this? I should be dead. Now, I have to explain one thing. I only felt a small amount of the pain that you normally would feel from that blow. Because the Lord explained to me on the way back, he blocked most of the pain. But he did allow me to feel some of it. So I I could describe to people that it's not metaphorical. It's not state of the mind. It's real, literal pain you're going to feel in hell. The amount I felt was enough. Then the other demon picked me up and grabbed me and dug its claws into my chest. Just tore the flesh open. I couldn't believe this was happening again. Why am I not dead? And I noticed I had a body. Remember Matthew 10, 28 says, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And remember Luke 16, Jesus talked about the rich man in hell. He wanted a drop of water to cool his tongue. He was tormented in the flame. He could speak. He had eyes that he lifted. He had a tongue to speak. So you have a body in hell, but it can withstand these torments. Something else I noticed. I looked, and even though they tore the flesh open, there was no blood or water. It was just all dry. But see, Leviticus 17, says, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Well, there's no life in hell, so there's no blood. And Zechariah 9:11 says, thy prisoners out of the pit where there is no water. There's not one drop of water in hell. And these demons have no mercy over you whatsoever. They have an extreme hatred for mankind and we've seen some of this evil in the world today when the terrorists would saw people's heads off i didn't watch it on the youtube but there's some of those videos where they actually saw children's heads right off how merciless is that well that comes from the demonic realm they have no mercy whatsoever but see psalms 103:17 says the mercy of the lord is upon those that fear him well they don't fear him in hell You don't derive the benefit of mercy about this time it went dark Now, I believed it was God's presence there to illuminate it so I could see, to describe to people what it looks like. Jesus illuminated it with his light, but then he withdrew his light and resumed its normal state of absolute pitch black darkness. I mean, you cannot see the hand in front of your face, but Lamentations 3.6 says, He has set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. Jude 13 mentions blackness of darkness forever, but it wasn't just dark. You could literally feel the darkness. And that's not an exaggeration. Exodus 10, 21 mentions a darkness that may be felt. Because it's so wicked and evil and dark, it seems to penetrate through every cell in your body. I was taken out of this prison cell and I was placed over next to this large raging pit of fire. This pit was about a mile across, a huge hole in the ground with flames raging high up into this open cavern, filled with fire. And, uh, And and it wasn't metaphorical, it was real, literal fire. I felt the heat, I saw the flames, but more importantly, it's what the Scripture says. Psalms 11.6 says, "...upon the wicked he will rain fire and brimstone and a horrible tempest." Psalms 140, verse 10, "...let burning coals fall upon them, let them be cast into the fire into deep pits." Matthew 13.49, "...the angels shall sever the wicked from the just and cast the wicked into a furnace of fire." Isaiah 33:12 says the people shall be as the burnings of lime they shall be as thorns cut up and thrown into the fire and burned who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings many more scriptures about burnings but this is where I could first see people I could see th- just through the flames it's so dark but you could see through the flames and I could see hundreds or thousands I don't know how many inside this pit and they were screaming, and the screams were so loud from the people. And I couldn't distinguish a man from a woman. They just looked like skeletons. It looked like something like flesh hanging off their bones. I mean, it's the most awful sight. Most of us have never seen a person on fire, and it is awful. But to hear the screams, you want to get away from that, but you can't. You have to endure that for all eternity. But see, Isaiah 57, 21 says, There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. There's no peace of mind, no peace of any kind. But see, Isaiah 32, 18 says, My people dwell in a quiet resting place. You're not His people. So you don't derive the benefit of quiet. I understood I was down deep in the earth. I descended to get there. I ascended when I left. But more importantly, there's 49 scriptures that talk about where the current hell is located. Um, And it's Sheol is the Hebrew word. Hades is the Greek word. I'll just give you two. Ezekiel 26, 20. Numbers 16, 32, and 33, it's very clear. It's down deep in the earth, but I understood that. I understood there were different levels of torment and degrees of punishment. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 23, 14, you shall receive the greater damnation. That infers a lesser damnation. Or Matthew 10, 15, he said, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. That infers a less tolerable. Hebrews 10, 28, of how much worse of a punishment suppose it shall be for you, you who have trodden underfoot the Son of God. There's a worse punishment. But my point is, there is no tolerable, comfortable level in hell. Any level is far worse than you can ever imagine. I wanted to talk to my wife. I I just wanted to let her know where I was at, say goodbye, tell her I love her. But I had the understanding, I'll never have that opportunity. See, Job 7.9 says, he that goes down to Sheol shall come up no more. You understand you're never going to get out. And to have no finality with your loved ones, you don't realize how tormenting that would be. That you can never say goodbye. You can never hug them again. You can never tell them you love them. You're separated from your family and they don't even know that you still exist. See, death does not mean cease to exist. Death means separation from God. You still exist. You're just down deep in the earth. I want to talk to a person, just anybody. But even though I saw those people in the pit, they're all kept at a distance from each other. So you have no conversation with anyone for all eternity. You're kept isolated and all by yourself. That alone is tormenting. And you have no purpose whatsoever. It's just a complete useless wasting away in hell. Ecclesiastes 9:10 says: there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in Sheol. Just a waste. And it doesn't matter if you're somebody famous here, no one would know who you are there. You have no identity. I don't care if you are a billionaire, you're a Hollywood star, no one would know who you are in hell. Uh, I, uh, Ezekiel, or I'm sorry, uh, <clears throat> I'll think of the scripture in a minute, but you, you have no identity whatsoever. Ecclesiastes 6.4 says you uh, have no identity whatsoever. You're forgotten in hell. Psalms 88, 12, Isaiah 26, 14, Deuteronomy 32, 26 explain that you're forgotten. And you don't realize that's an awful thing because you understand nobody's given you a thought up on the earth. I mean, do you think about people in hell now? No, we don't, right? Matter of fact, if you go to a funeral today, doesn't matter what religion you go, you're in, most of the time they say, well, they've gone to a better place. But that's not the case for most. Jesus said in Matthew 7, many are going to hell and few are going to heaven. The stench in hell is the most foul, putrid, disgusting odors. You know, Jesus rebuked the foul spirits, Mark 9, 25. Demons have a disgusting, foul odor to them. It's sickening. But also you're smelling, it smelled like burning flesh from all the people burning. But also the smell of burning sulfur and if you go to hawaii to the volcano they have signs posted where you cannot go past a certain point because the toxicity of the sulfur coming up uh, it will kill you it's called sulfur dioxide it's toxic it will kill you if you breathe it well sulfur is just another word for brimstone and the word brimstone is all through the bible so you're breathing in this foul putrid disgusting air that you don't want to breathe but it's even worse than that because there's not enough air to breathe. You can't take a deep breath. You don't get to do that in hell like here. There's not enough oxygen. So you have to fight and gasp for even the tiniest bit of air. And maybe only an asthma patient can relate to this, or maybe a fireman that's been in the fire, but this is how you breathe in hell. It was like, "Uh, uh, uh." that was as much air as you could get. Well, any moment you feel like I'm gonna suffocate so you have a continual feeling of suffocation for all eternity. But see, Isaiah 42.5 says, The Lord gives breath to the people upon the earth. You're not upon the earth. You're down deep beneath the earth. God is very specific with His Word. You need to sleep in hell. Just like here we need sleep. Now, I was only there 23 minutes, but I felt like I was there 23 weeks. The, the second seemed so long, and I was so physically exhausted I desperately wanted to rest my eyes or rest, but you never have a second of rest for all eternity, and it gets progressively worse. Now, if you ever stayed up for, say, two nights studying for a test? I mean, most of us have done that, right? After two days, man, you can't even function. You're pretty much a wreck after two days. Well, in hell, you need to sleep also, but see, it gets progressively worse because you never get to go to sleep. Revelation 14, 10, and 11 says, And they shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the Lamb and in the presence of the angels. And the smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day nor night. Now, that primarily means no rest in the torment, but no rest of any kind. Because Isaiah fifty seven twenty says, The wicked are like the troubled sea that cannot rest. You know, the sea is always moving, right? Can't rest. But rest is a blessing from God. Psalms 127.2 said, The Lord gives His beloved sleep. You're not His beloved. I was standing next to this big pit of fire, and demons were shoving people back in. They were trying to claw their way up through this pit, but they have no physical strength to even do it, but demons were shoving them back in. And I noticed that I could only see through the light and along the edges. It's so dark it consumes the light. But I could see I was standing beneath this cavern tunnel uh, ascending upward. And all along the walls of this tunnel were demons. And they were twisted, deformed, and grotesque, all of them. Hideous-looking creatures. Some were only 2 and 3 feet tall. Some were 12 and 13 feet tall. And uh, they had all had an extreme hatred for mankind. And a lot of them seemed to be chained to the walls. I, I'm just telling you what I saw. And uh, looking at all these, I noticed also there were snakes crawling all over everything and everybody. And then I looked down and I noticed I was standing on a bed of maggots, solid maggots crawling everywhere and all over everything. But remember, Jesus said, where their worm dies not. And he used the word maggot. And Isaiah 14, 11 says, where the maggot will be spread under thee and the worm will cover thee. Look it up in the original in the Strong's. It's the word maggot. And, you know, I know this is disgusting, but just bear with me. If a dead animal is being eaten by maggots, when the maggots consume the flesh, The maggots will die. I never knew that, but they die as soon as they consume all the flesh. That's why Jesus said, where their worm dies not, and the fire is not quenched, because the flesh is never fully consumed in hell. So as Job 24, 20 says, the maggot will feed sweetly on thee. Is that disgusting enough? You're hungry. You never get to eat. in hell. you have the feeling of hunger, thirst, remember the rich man wanted a drop of water. Now, if I was to give you a drop of water, just one drop. That wouldn't suffice, would it? You wouldn't value one drop. But in hell you would. You'd do anything for that one drop of water. You are so thirsty. You just feel like, I've got to have water. I've got to have water. But you never get it. The fear level that you experience in hell is so far beyond anything. And maybe some of you here have experienced some fear in your life. Maybe you were um, robbed at gunpoint. Maybe you were in a car accident right before the moment of the impact, (gasps) the fear that jumped up, or maybe you're in the war and you saw some horrible things. I'm just going to share with you an experience I had so you can relate, because here we're nice and comfortable. We're not getting this. But the fear that you experience in hell is so far beyond anything we've all experienced. And I know something about fear. When I was 17, I used to surf a lot as a teenager. We were surfing off Cocoa Beach, Florida, about 100 guys out that day having a great time, and uh, the guy next to me suddenly got his leg torn off blood all over the water now there was a frenzy of sharks all around us banging into us i got up on my board on my i was a nine foot board back then and i got up on my knees to get my legs out of the water and the shark came by one of them and he turned his head and i saw those huge teeth this huge mouth they are terrifying when you're up that close to them well the shark came back and bit my board in half Now I was swimming in the water and my buddy was knocked off his board and he looks at me and we're about a quarter mile out because it breaks out real far when it's real big in Florida and we're way off the beach and he looks at me and says, Bill, I guess we're dead. Sharks were banging into us all over the place, blood all over the water. And then that one of the sharks, and it was longer than my board, the shark came by and grabbed my leg, bit my leg, pulled me down under the water. Now you can imagine the fear that I felt at that moment. I mean, you can kind of relate, right? Well, that fear that I felt at that moment paled in comparison to what you feel in hell. Wouldn't even register. But see, Psalm 73, 18 and 19 says, you cast them down into destruction where they are utterly consumed with terror. You're consumed with this terror for all eternity. But praise God, a miracle happened and that shark opened his mouth, let me go, but more more of a miracle than that was, I expected my leg to be shredded. There wasn't one mark in my leg. That's a miracle. God was looking out for me then. And I was not even a Christian then. But I got saved immediately after that. <laughs> yeah, I did. I've been serving God ever since. You know, I mean, God's, we serve a good God. Amen. I would have been dead... Or without a leg all this time praise God now you might say Bill I I, I want to take a minute and give you some scripture because you might say Bill come on isn't this your idea of hell you know demons tormenting and aren't you exaggerating no it's what the Bible says I'm just trying to give you scripture so you understand how severe it's not important you believe me just the scripture so can you bear with me for another about minute and a half while I give you some scripture about being tormented in hell is that okay all right Matthew 18, 34 mentions being delivered to the tormentors. Luke 12, 47 says you'll be beaten with many stripes or beaten with few. Who's doing the beating? Psalms 50, verse 22, you that forget God, you'll be torn in pieces. Matthew 24, 51, I will cut him in pieces where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Psalms 116, 3, the pains of Sheol have gotten hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Amos 5, 18 and 19. For what good is the day of the Lord to you, judgment day? It'll be darkness. And as a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. Job 33:22. His soul draws near to the pit and his life to the destroyers. Psalms 141, 7. Their bones are scattered at Sheol's mouth. Psalms 49:14. Their beauty shall consume away in Sheol from their dwelling. Psalms 32.10, many sorrows shall be to the wicked. Psalm 78.49, I will cast my wrath upon them by sending evil angels among them. Deuteronomy 32.22, for a fire is kindled in my anger and shall burn into the lowest hell. They shall be burnt with hunger and devoured with burning heat and bitter destruction. I will also send the teeth of beasts upon them with poison of serpents of the dust. And Matthew 22:13, Jesus said, "Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth." Luke 19:27, "Bring my enemies before me and slay them before me," Jesus said. Luke 20:18, He said, "This stone on whoever it falls will grind him to powder. The stone he's talking about is himself. John 15, 6, If a man abide not in me, just as men gather branches that are withered, they're thrown into the fire and burned. Luke 12, 4 and 5, Don't fear him who is able to kill the body, and there's no more he can do. Rather, fear him who is after he is killed, has power to cast into hell. Fear him. Matthew 25, 41, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I'll just give you one more verse. Psalm 7420 says, For the dark places of the earth are full of the habitations of cruelty. Full of the habitations of cruelty. The word cruelty, look it up in the Strong's Concordance, number 2555. It's the word Hamas. The terrorist group, Hamas, you've heard that word before. The word Hamas means ruthlessness, violence, cruel hatred, and destruction. So for the dark places of the earth are full of the habitations of ruthlessness, violence, cruel hatred, and destruction. Well, that's what you're experiencing in hell. And I say, Bill, why would God make such a horrible place? Well, Jesus said why. In Matthew 25, 41, he said, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. He never intended for man to go to this place. But he used the same word prepared as he did in John 14:2, where he goes to prepare a place for us in heaven or make ready. So he was making ready heaven for us. Hell for the devil. So what he did in the preparation was, you see, James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights. So all the good we enjoy in life, the fellowship, the sunshine fellowship, eating, drinking, sleeping, all the good comes from God. It's not automatic. So what he did was, since he was preparing for the devil, he withdrew his attributes or his goodness. See, hell is dark because 1 John 1.5 said God is light. There's only death in hell because John 1.4 said God is life. There's only hatred in hell because 1 John 4, 16 said God is love. There's no mercy in hell because Psalms 36, 5 says the mercy of the Lord's in the heavens. There's no strength in hell because Psalms eighteen thirty two said it's the Lord that gives us strength. There's no water in hell because Deuteronomy eleven eleven 11 says water is the rain of heaven. And there's no peace in hell because Isaiah 9, 6 says he is the prince of peace. So see if God removes himself from the situation, all the good goes with him. You can't have the good without God. You can't separate the two. So if you're a person that says, you know what? I don't want anything to do with God. Well, fine. There's a place prepared that has nothing to do with him. Can you see that? Other than one thing, the fire in hell does represent God's wrath. All through the scripture, it says he will pour out his wrath on sin in the form of fire. But God poured out his wrath on Jesus on the cross, so we wouldn't have to take that wrath. So you can either let Jesus take it or you can take it. Your choice. Your choice. See, Psalms 33, five says, The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. We get to enjoy His goodness while we're here in life. But if you deny Him, there's a place prepared. There's nothing to do with His goodness. So when people look at the mountains, the trees, the ocean, and they say, oh, isn't Mother Nature wonderful? No, that's not Mother Nature that provided that. That's Father God that provided that. Amen? As I was looking at all this horror in this darkness... Something began lifting me up this tunnel, this cavern walls I was ascending up. And in this absolute pitch black darkness, suddenly this bright light appeared. I knew immediately who it was. There's no doubt in your mind when Jesus shows up who he is. I didn't see his face. I just saw the outline of a man standing in a bright, pure, holy light. Like no light I have ever seen. I just called out his name. I said, Jesus. And he said, I am. When he said I am, I went out. I don't know if I died, passed out, but I was out. But, you know, I can only describe that through Revelation 1.16. When John saw him, he said, his countenance was bright as the sun, and I fell at his feet as one dead. Well, Well, he touched me, and after time, I came too. And it hit me so strongly, even though I had been a Christian at that time 28 years, I thought, If he wouldn't have gone to the cross, I would be in that place for all eternity. I was so grateful for the cross. I was so thankful for what Jesus did for me. I didn't want to ask him any questions. I just wanted to worship him. All you want to do in his presence is say, thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for giving your life for me, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for taking me out of hell. Thank you for saving me. Uh, That's all I kept saying. But after a time, thoughts started coming to my mind. And he would answer my thoughts. But Psalms 139.2 says he answers our thoughts afar off. And I thought, Lord, why did you send me to this horrible place? He said, because many people do not believe hell is real. He said, even some of my own people do not believe hell exists. That statement surprised me. I thought all Christians believe in hell. But we have found out since many believe in annihilationism, that you know, cease to exist, or universalism. That says everybody gets saved. Or soul sleep. There's many false teachings He wanted me to point people to the scriptures. And I said, Lord, why did those demons hate me so much? He said, because you're made in my image and they hate me. Remember John 15, 18, Jesus said, they hated me before they hated you. See, demons hate God, but they can't hurt him, but they can hurt his creation. That's why Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But he said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So all the destruction we see in life, the evil, the sickness, disease, poverty, uh, disasters, all that comes from the demonic realm. It's not from God. We serve a good God that came to give His life more abundantly. Right. Amen. I said, Lord, I don't want to tell any about anybody about this. They're going to think I'm crazy or had a bad dream. He said, it's not your job to convict their hearts. It's the Holy Spirits. He said, you just go and tell them. I said, yes, sir, I'll go. But I have to admit, I complained. I told my best friend first, because I knew he would know I wasn't crazy. And he said, Bill, would you come to my Bible study and share it? And I said, no way. I don't want to share it. And I wanted to witness to everything that moved, but I didn't want to share my experience. And he talked me into coming three months later. So I went reluctantly. I thought, okay, I'll share this one time. Well, that didn't work out so good. <laughs> Anyway, I shared it there, and we began getting invited all over the country, and it spread like wildfire. So I was in the real estate business with my own company, and my wife also in real estate uh, had a great job. We were making a half a million dollars a year, doing great, and um, we got invited. So we started going. We paid our own way. We never took one penny from anybody for seven years. Then after that seven years, the publisher came to me and asked me to write a book. Well, I didn't want to self-promote this. I, wasn't, I didn't even want to write a book. But I thought, you know what? I, I do want to write a book because I can place in there all the scriptures because that's what's important for people to hear. I can write all the scriptures in the book so they can read them for themselves. So we wrote the book. And uh, we've been traveling ever since full time. And, you know, even though we had to walk away from our careers and give up the money, that was not easy, to be honest with you, and travel and just trust God. That's what we've been doing now for 13 years full-time. So, praise God. But, you know, I complained to the Lord because I'm a conservative person by nature. And, you know, I de- I identified someone that says they've been to hell. I pictured a person on a street corner with a wooden sign and wild hair screaming, repent or burn. You know, that's what I envisioned. I thought, I don't want to be identified with that. And I complained to the Lord. And he put up with me for seven years. And he said to me one day, I heard him say this. He said, Bill, it's not about you being comfortable. It's about you being obedient. And that convicted my heart. I said, I'm sorry, Lord. I mean, look at Paul, what Paul the apostle had to go through. Shipwrecked, beaten, thrown in prisons and so forth. Here I am complaining. But now, you know, it doesn't matter if I feel uncomfortable in any way. Because if one person can come to the light of the scripture and avoid this horrible place... It's worth any uncomfortableness I would ever feel, And, you know, God's given us all something to do. And I found out there are no big shots with God. None. We all have a job to do, and we're all equally important. We all need each other because God's gifted you with some talent or ability that I don't have. There's only one of you. And God can use you. So I just encourage you, do everything you can for God. Use your talent and ability to win souls and live for him. That's the most important thing we could do. I said, Lord, why didn't I know you? Remember I told you he blocked it from my mind? He hid it that I was a Christian? He said, because, see, if I would have been there as a Christian, which I was, but I didn't know, I would have known, praise God, he's getting me out of this place right? As a Christian, we know our destiny is heaven. So I would have known I'm just seeing this and I'm not going to have to be here forever. He wanted me to experience what they feel, hopelessness. See, none of us in life here know what it's like to be hopeless. Because even if your situation is so dire and painful, you can always die to get out of the pain. But in hell, you understand you're never going to get out of the pain. Isaiah thirty-eight eighteen says, those who go down to the pit cannot hope for thy truth. And we know Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They have no hope for him because it's too late. And see, we can't grasp eternity here. We really can't get a hold of it. We think time is a beginning and an end. But in hell, I could grasp it, that it never ends. I just want that to sink in for a minute, that you understand there's no angels to come rescue you. There's no Calvary coming over the hill. There's no friend you'll ever talk to. You'll be isolated and alone for all eternity. This is the most important decision anybody could ever make because their soul is eternal whether they believe it or not. Some other things he shared with me, but i got to keep moving. We went above the earth and we were in a whirlwind tunnel. We came out of the earth and went above the earth. And I looked back at the earth and we were now out in space. And I could see the earth just like an astronaut would. It's amazing to see the earth from space as an astronaut would. Like, you look at it and say, what's holding the earth up? What's making it turn so perfectly at a thousand miles an hour, not varying one mile per hour? You know, Job six seven says, he hangs the earth upon nothing. It was phenomenal to see. I was enjoying all that, looking at it. And then he, he had me look at that tunnel we just came out of, and people were falling one after another, after another, back down into hell. And he allowed me to feel peace of his heart. And this is the most Important part of this vision that God, I believe, allowed me to feel a little bit of the love he has for people. The anguish he feels for a soul falling into hell and his great love. He doesn't want to see one person go. I couldn't even stand to bear feeling a little bit of how much he loves us. See, Ephesians 3.19 says, his love passes knowledge. We love our loved ones, but God loves us way more than we are able to imagine. And that's why he wants us as Christians to go and witness so that people don't have to go to hell that's our job and I, I just said Lord stop I, I can't even feel to feel the anguish. I don't I don't I don't want to feel any more of what your the anguish you feel and the, your love is too overwhelming and uh he just wanted me to go and tell people we came back to the earth we came up on my home I've, I saw my body lying on the floor right through the roof I could see through the roof and it was so strange to see your body lying on the floor I said that, that's not me this is the real me the body looked so temporal. It looked just like, say, your car. You get out of your car, that's just a vehicle to get you around in, it's not you. It's just a vehicle to get you around in life. That's how the body looked. Like, that's just a vehicle, that's not me. This is the real me, your soul, your spirit. And then I saw a puff of smoke go up. I said, Lord, what's that? Just a little vapor, smoke. He said, James 4, 14, life is but a vapor. I thought, Lord, we don't have much time. I mean, see, we think hundred years is long, but when you're in eternity along with side with Jesus, I could grasp that our life a hundred years goes by like a vapor, like a tea kettle. I said, Lord, we don't have much time to do what you want us to do. He said, yes, but what you do during that short time, I will count for all eternity. Wow, wow. that gave me a better overall eternal perspective. What's important in life? Well, one of the things is to witness. Because we can bring people to heaven. That's the only thing we can take to heaven with us is people. I just want to share with you two quick stories real fast. You know, my neighbor, who was not a Christian, lived next to me for years, him and his wife. And uh, he was a tough Marine guy, really tough, stocky build, strong as an ox, and, and mean. And he was an atheist. And I used to try to witness to him over the years. He wouldn't want to hear it. And so one day I found out he was in a hospital dying of some disease. So I asked his wife, can I go see him? And she goes, yeah, but don't you talk to him about the Bible. He doesn't want to hear that stuff. She goes, neither do I. She was not saved either. I said, okay. So my wife and I went. I just felt an urgency to go then. So we went, saw him, we come in, and here's this big tough guy, strong, and he's all withered up and skinny, lying in this uh, hospital bed with tubes and everything. And tears are coming down his face. And I said, Chuck, what's wrong? And he goes, Bill, you don't understand. He said, last night... I almost died. I was slipping out of my body and I was going into a, a really dark place. He said, I've never been scared of anything. I was terrified. I was terrified. I said, well, Chuck, you had a right to be terrified. You know where you were going. He said, yeah, I, I don't want to go to hell. I was heading to hell. Bill, please tell me, how do I stay out of hell? please tell me. I don't want to go to this place. Please tell me. Because he almost died that night. He knew his time was short. So my wife and I led him in a prayer. We explained salvation. He needed to repent and ask God to forgive him. God loves him. will forgive everything he's done wrong. It doesn't matter. And cleanse him from all his sin and uh, come into his heart. Anyway, he did all that. He was so excited. Now tears of joy were coming down his face. And he even looked younger, like the wrinkles were leaving. He had a peace about him. And he said, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for coming here. And he didn't want us to leave. And he kept holding my hand, right? He, he wouldn't let me. So we finally left. Well, a couple days later, he died. Now, my point is, what if we wouldn't have gone? Is that one of those examples? Ezekiel 33, 8. If we fail to speak to warn the sinner from his way, his blood will I require at your hand. See, God was speaking to me to go. Now, it wasn't convenient to go. I was at work. I got things to do. We can always say that. Hey, we're busy. But God spoke, and I thought, I got to drop what we're doing. We got to go now. If we wouldn't have gone, he didn't know anybody that was saved. His wife wasn't saved. His whole family are not Christians. But now he's in heaven. And that's what I'm encourage you to do as Christians. One other story, another atheist I witnessed to. he... um, After the end, I explained everything to him, and he said, Bill, I am just not interested, not interested. And God brought to my remembrance something I'd read earlier, and I said, you know, if I was to offer you a glass of water or $100 million, which would you take? You take the $100 million, right? I said, but if you are in the desert dying of thirst, you have 30 seconds before you're going to die and I offer you the cup of cold water or the 100 million, which would you take? you take the cup of water. I said, it's called circumstantial priorities. I said, you might not be interested in the cup of cold water, the offer of salvation now, but there's coming a day where you will stand before almighty God with all his mighty warrior angels at his side and all the power of heaven shaking, and you'll be before him, and he'll say to you, why did you reject my son Why did you not repent and receive Him as your Savior? You will have no excuse. You'll have no answer. Then the next words He'll say is, Depart from me into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. He won't want to say those words, but because He gave us a free will, you chose to reject Him. There'll be demons there ready to drag you off into hell. You'll be desperate at that time for that cup of cold water, that offer of something.
2: You're listening to Bill Weiss at the Power Session at Niagara 19. Wow, what a night it was. And we're going to just take a short station break, and we come back on CrossSide Radio. We're going to go to the conclusion of this powerful message on hell and the reality of it. You don't want to miss the last half hour of this broadcast. Tonight is your night to get right with God if you don't know him. So don't touch that dial. We're gonna be right back with more of Cross-Eyed Radio.
5: You're listening to 99.5 WDCX FM and HD and WDCZ AM 970, Buffalo.
1: Crossside Radio is a listener supported radio talk show centered on proclaiming the life changing message of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. If you have been blessed and encouraged by listening to the message of the cross presented on this program, we invite you to become a monthly supporter of Crossside Radio. With your help, we can continue to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and bring hope to both the lost and the struggling believer. For more information on how you can be involved in supporting Crossside Radio, go to crossidradio.org or call Joshua Revolution at 1-888-415-KIDS. We invite you to join us at Cross River Tabernacle as we worship the Lord together every Sunday at 10 a.m. You will be blessed by anointed worship as we praise our Savior for who he is and all that he has done. Come and be encouraged by the preaching of the only message that can give true hope and has the power to set the captive free from every bondage. The message of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. Cross River Kids Children's Ministry meets during the message for children in kindergarten through fifth grade. And child care is available throughout the service for infants and toddlers. Crossover Tabernacle is located at 2920 Grand Island Boulevard on Grand Island, New York. For more information, call 716-229-8000. We hope to see you soon.
2: Hallelujah what a wonderful Savior we have the Spirit of the Lord in this studio tonight is amazing That's Joshua Aaron. Joshua Aaron is a messianic Jewish worship leader Uh, It's kind of like he's called the Chris Tomlin of Israel and what a beautiful sound tonight coming from Joshua Aaron as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and tonight we're going to go back to the conclusion of this message This powerful message by Bill Weiss at Niagara 19 on the reality of hell. Who better to explain to you and I what hell is really like than a man that spent 23 minutes there. God took him there and showed him the reality of the darkness, the pain, the suffering, the uh, just incredible uh, time that he had there that so changed his life as it would change your life, the reality of hell turned him into one of the leading evangelists anywhere in the world today, Brother Bill Weiss. He's speaking all over the, all over the country, all over the world. His book on hell is now in, written in 15 different languages. And tonight we're listening to him. He was the keynote speaker on December 29th. And the students and adults in Niagara Falls were riveted to this message and so let's go into that uh into the event center for the conclusion of this message by bill weiss on hell
3: how can a loving god send a good person to hell well god doesn't send anybody to hell i'll get to that in a minute but see if you're going to go by the standard of good then you have to go by god's standard of good see you might be pretty good compared to people but james 2 10 says if we offend his law in one point we're guilty of all if we lie once, Revelation 21.8 says all liars shall part in the lake of fire. If we steal one thing, then 1 Corinthians 6.9 says no thief will inherit heaven. If we have one lustful thought, Jesus said that's the same as committing adultery, and no adulterer will inherit heaven. Well, that's just three of the Ten Commandments. So if we're going to be judged by that standard of good, would we be guilty or innocent? We'd all be guilty. Everybody's lied. Everybody's stolen. I mean, at least once in your life, if you'll be honest. Most people, many times. There's even a scripture in Proverbs 24, 9 that says, even the thought of foolishness is a sin. If we have one foolish thought our entire life, that would exclude us from heaven. Man, that's a high standard, isn't it? So none of us can stand before a holy God and say, hey, I'm pretty good, let me in. He's going to say, no, you're not. Not according to my standard, you're not good. Matter of fact, Job 15:16 says, man is so filthy, he drinks iniquity like water. Thank God it's not based on being good, but on a relationship with Jesus Christ. But you might not be convinced yet. If you're a person here and you say, I still have trouble with a person that's a good family person, takes care of their family, works hard, that God would let them burn in hell. Well, let me give you another analogy why good doesn't work. And God gave, I was on the radio, a secular radio talk show, and the host said, okay. They said, Bill, watch your back with this guy. He does not like Christians. I went on the air, and he said, okay, Christian, don't you quote me one Bible verse over my airwaves. You got that? I don't want to hear one Bible verse quoted on my airwaves. I said, okay. This was in New Jersey. And he said, I submit to you that you Christians are unreasonable because you don't consider my viewpoint. My viewpoint is just as valid as yours, and I'm a good person. And if your God doesn't let me in heaven, he's actually guilty of a hate crime. So what do you got to say for yourself, Christian. what do you say? You're live on the air and I can't give scripture. I said, okay. Right then, God gave me an analogy. Thank God. (laughs) God's good. And I said, okay, you think that you're a good person, you should be let in heaven. He goes, that's right. I said, okay, uh, say you went and found the most expensive home in the country and you knocked on their door and you said, excuse me, but I'm moving in with you because I'm a good person. What do you think the people would say? No, right? You don't know them. You wouldn't expect them to let you move into their house. You have no relationship with them. I said, but you, you go through your whole life. You have nothing to do with God. You deny Jesus as a son of God. which he said is the only way to his house. Then at the end of your life, you have the nerve to come knock on his door, demand to live there because you're a good person. What does good have to do with it? You don't know him. You have no relationship with him. I said, see, God offers to be our father throughout our whole life. But people push him away and say, no, I don't want you as my father. I'm not interested. See, God is your creator. He's not your father to you invite in Jesus as your savior. Then he becomes your father. Galatians 3.26, John 1.12, John 8.44, Romans nine seven and 8, John 17.9, Ephesians 5.1, Ephesians 1, 1.5, all those explain that he's your creator. He's not your father To you invite him in. So that's unreasonable, I said, to expect to live at someone's house. You don't even know. He said, whoa, you can fight back. That's what he said. I said, Well, I heard you can dish it out. Can you take it? So he says, Well, you Christians are narrow minded. You think you're the only ones that's right. He said, I think all roads lead to heaven. That's what I think. I said, Well, let me give you another analogy, which God gave me on the spot. Thank you, Lord. I said, okay, you think we're narrow-minded, and all roads lead to heaven. I said, say you invite me over to dinner, to your home, and you said, Bill, I want you to go south on Highway 95, turn right at Main Street, go up the hill, you'll come to my house. But that's the only way to get to my house. And I say to you, you know what? I think I'm going to go north on 95. I'm going to get off at Beach Boulevard, because I think all roads lead to your house. That's what I think. Well, you're going to tell me, Bill, you're not going to get to my house. I'm trying to give you clear directions to my house. The same thing. God gives us clear directions to his house. I think God knows where he lives. (laughs) Hey, all we have to do is follow his clear directions. We will get there. That's not narrow-minded. That's specific. He's given us specific, clear instructions on how to get to heaven. This is the clear directions to heaven. John 3.36 says, He that believes in the Son has everlasting life. But he that has not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. You have to know the Son. How do you do that? Just two verses. Luke 13.3, Jesus said, Unless a man repent, you shall all likewise perish. Now what does repent mean? That means to have a humble heart and admit, Man, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I'm willing to turn away from sin and follow Jesus. See, it's not enough to mentally assent to the fact and say, yeah, I can believe Jesus is God. I believe that. And just go live your own life and do your own thing and live in sin. That's not repentance. It's agreeable. It's agreeing to turn away from sin and follow Jesus. Now, on your own, you can't resist sin. But when you get born again, God gives you a new heart, a new nature, a new spirit, and he gives us the grace or the ability to resist sin. But right now, you just have to be willing to turn away. That's number one. Number two, Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God's raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. You have to believe in your own heart and confess him with your own mouth. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. You want to live at his house? You do it his way. Now, if you say, Bill, I just don't believe that. I don't believe Jesus in any way, and I don't believe you. Well, I have a verse for you. Revelation: 21.8 says, "All unbelievers shall have their part in the lake of fire." There's the warning, He just told you, if you don't believe me, you'll end up in the lake of fire." Now you can see why Jesus said in Matthew 12:37, "Your own words will condemn you. Because you said, I don't believe Jesus is the only way. I don't believe the Bible. You condemn yourself to hell by your own words. And because God loves you, He gives you a free will to choose. He doesn't force you in anything. He cannot force you to love him and to repent. You know when the, well, one more verse. Revelation 2015 says, "Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire." God actually has a book, and he's going to look to see if our names are in his book. You know, when the Titanic set sail, there were all different religions on that ship and all different walks of life, all different beliefs. And they say there were three classes of people, the lower, the middle, and the upper class. But when the Titanic went down at the Star Line office in Liverpool, England, there were two signs posted and the relatives would come out each day waiting for a man that would come out and he would write the survivors. Uh, one, on one sign said, known to be saved. The other sign said, known to be lost. Now when the ship left, there were all different beliefs, all different walks of life and three classes of people. But in the end, there's only two. You're either saved or you're lost. And it's your choice. So my question for you tonight is, do you know if your name is written in his book? Are you certain? You can be. Tonight, you have that opportunity. But please don't think, you know, I can leave here and think about this later, because you don't know that you'll have later." And Jesus said in John 6, you can't even come to Him unless He draws you. He might not be drawing you tomorrow. We were at a service in San Diego, and the, the pastor's son brought his best friend to the service. They were 23 years old, each one of them. The, the friend afterwards said, Bill Weiss, I don't believe you, I don't believe the Bible. And his best friend said, man, you're my best friend. I want you to go to heaven with me. And he says, I don't want to hear this Bible stuff. Well, they went to breakfast the next day and he talked to him again. He says, look, you're my best buddy. I want you to go to heaven with me, please. Why can't I share with you about the good news about Jesus? He goes, don't ever talk to me about it again. I don't want to hear it. Not interested. This is a true story. He got up from the table. Five minutes later, his car hit a brick wall and he died. So his friend was thinking about He's in hell for all eternity. Unless he repented in that last five minutes, which is unlikely. He didn't expect to die in the next five minutes. None of us do. You don't know when your time is. And you don't realize your soul is eternal. Whether you believe it or not, it's eternal. You will live in one place or the other. And heaven is not our default destination. There needs to be a purposeful act on our part. We have to repent and come to Jesus and confess him with our own mouth. And I'm telling you, one second after you die, you won't have this opportunity. If you leave here, your heart grows harder and it's more difficult to reach you.
2: It's Bill Weiss, and he was the keynote speaker at Niagara 19, one of the most powerful messages you will ever hear on hell and how to know Jesus Christ. And the last words, Brother Bill, that he said that night before he gave that altar call is in order to be saved, you must confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you must repent. Mm -hmm. And tonight we want to give our listeners that have been listening to this powerful message. Tonight you may uh, be thinking, I don't know if I'm saved tonight. I don't know if my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and I want to be sure. And the Bible is very clear. Jesus said it in John 14, six. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father, but through me. And the Bible says that whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord, the name of Jesus shall be saved. And tonight you can be sure that your name is written in the book of life by simply doing two things. One, calling on the name of Jesus and being willing to repent. And what repentance means, it doesn't mean you're going to stop sinning. You don't have the power to stop sinning. That's going to be the Holy Spirit when he comes into your life. That's going to do that work, but that you want to stop Mm. you with your mind. You want to turn from living a life of sin and start following Jesus. You want Jesus to come in and make something of your life, clean you up and clean you out. And tonight, if that is your desire, I want I have good news to tell you. God has never turned one away who was truly repentive and had their faith placed in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for them. And so right now, wherever you may be, I want to give you an opportunity to call on the name of Jesus and to repent and make Jesus the Lord of your life. And I believe in this moment, the greatest miracle of all miracles that could ever happen to you, Jesus is going to come into your heart by the power of his Holy Spirit. And the angel is going to write your name down in the Lamb's book of life in heaven. And you're going to have that peace to know that you're right with god and this isn't the end tonight this is the beginning of a whole new life the bible says that he's going to make you a new creature a new creation he says and all things will be passed away and all things will be made new every sin that you've ever committed or ever would commit or will commit tonight can be washed away in the blood of jesus by this simple act of faith and as bill was ministering he said so beautifully that god he's not going to force you into making this decision. He's given you a free will because he loves us and he doesn't, he doesn't make this decision for us. He draws you. He convicts you of sin like he's doing right now. But which your, your part is by your own free will is to say this to God, God, I'm a sinner and I know I've sinned. I know I've lied. I've stolen. I've thought immoral thoughts. I've done immoral things. I've I've lost my temper. I've done so many things that I know are wrong. And I come to you tonight to say, God, please forgive me. And I believe that Jesus died on that cross so that I could be forgiven, so that I could be cleansed, so that I could be a new person, a new creation. And tonight, I wanna put my faith in Jesus Christ alone and what he did on the cross to save me and to deliver me from the lake of fire. I don't wanna to go to hell. I wanna to go to heaven. Tonight, if that's your attitude, then right now we wanna pray with you. And it's a simple prayer. A little child can pray this prayer and receive Jesus. My, my children, my son Andrew received the Lord at like four or five years old. My, my, my daughter Emma, six years old, asked Jesus to come into their life and he did. And he said in the Bible, that permit the little children to come on to me for such is the kingdom of God. So if a little child can receive them, how much more you tonight? And you may have wasted a lot of years living for self and living in sinful pleasure, but tonight can be a change. Tonight can be a new beginning. And the most important thing that's gonna happen right now by putting your faith in Jesus is you're not gonna have to fear hell, but you're gonna be on your way to heaven. And so right now we wanna pray with you, wherever you may be, I want you just to say these words and mean it with all of your heart. It's not the words that are so important but it's the sincerity of your heart because with the, the your heart you're making your commitment to Jesus Christ and he he sees your heart and he's going to send his spirit right now into your heart and and your holy and the holy spirit is going to change you from the inside out. So just pray right now. Bill's going to repeat this prayer after me to help you tonight wherever you may be. So just pray with us, won't you? right now in simple faith to say these words dear god in heaven dear god in heaven i come to
6: you in jesus name i come to you in jesus name and i come to you as a sinner and i come to you as a sinner in need of a savior in need of a savior lord i'm sorry for my sins lord i am sorry for my sins for the things that i've done for the things that i have done for the people that i've hurt for the people that i have hurt but I want to repent tonight. But I want to repent tonight. I want to turn my life. I want to turn my life over to you. Over to you. I believe that you sent your son. I believe you sent your son. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. To die on a cross for me. To die on a cross for me. So that I can be forgiven. So I can be forgiven. I can be cleansed. I can be cleansed. I could be saved. I could be saved. From an eternity in hell. For an eternity in hell. And so right now, so right now, according to your word, according to your word, which cannot lie, which cannot lie, with my mouth, with my mouth, I confess, I confess, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, as the Lord of my life, as the Lord of my life. And I believe in my heart, and I believe in my heart, that God raised Jesus. That God raised Jesus, from the dead, from the dead, and He's alive, and He is alive. And right now, and right now, I open my heart, I open my heart. And I invite you, Jesus, and I invite you, Jesus, to come into my heart, to come into my heart and live there and live there and be my personal and be my personal Lord and Savior, Lord and Savior. And when my life is over and when my life is over, I ask you for a home in heaven. I ask you for a home in heaven in Jesus name, in Jesus name, amen,
2: amen. And friend, if you just prayed with Brother Bill and I, guess what? The greatest miracle that could ever happen. You just got saved from the pit of hell. You just got saved from a life of misery and God's going to begin to change your life from the inside out. And brother Bill, tonight for everyone who's prayed, no matter in the United States or in Canada, we want to do something very special for you. We want to give you a gift that's going to help you to learn the word of God, learn how to walk with Jesus Christ in this relationship now That you have. Maybe tonight you prayed that prayer because you once prayed it, but you've walked away from Him and you were recommitting your life tonight. It makes no difference. If you prayed with us tonight, we want to send to you a copy of the book Cross Eyed How to Have Victory Over Sin. It's a book that will help you to learn the power of the cross, Mm -hmm. how to keep your faith in the finished work of the cross, how not to turn to religion. But understanding that it's only through a relationship with Jesus and faith in what he did on the cross that sets you free on a daily basis from the mm-hmm. bondage of sin. And so tonight, Bill, if they'll call, your mm-hmm. wife is here tonight to take their call. And, and we're going to send it to them, postage paid, free of charge, Amen. for simply just calling in and saying, I prayed with Brother Mike and Brother Bill mm-hmm. tonight to be saved. The
6: phone number for them to call. Sure. In the Buffalo area, 716. 229 8000. That's 716 229 8000. Outside the Buffalo area, 888 444 2920. That's 888 444
2: 2920. So go to the phones right now. Christy's waiting for your call, and we mm-hmm. want to celebrate with you tonight the greatest decision that could be ever made, and that is receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You don't have to fear hell jesus now has come into your heart what a wonderful night mm. it is for you and tonight Amen. as we go off the air i just want to encourage those all in the western Arc area brother bill mm. this thursday night we're going to be at the screening room that's right. right behind the boulevard mall we're mm-hmm. starting our end times bible study it's going to be six weeks of how close we are to the coming of the messiah jesus and it starts at seven o'clock thursday night at the screening room that's january
6: 23rd like you said 7 p.m Uh, Give the office a call here if you want to sign up. If you can't, just show up and uh, what The classes that will
2: be. Classes are completely free of charge, but there are limited seating. Bill, the address again uh, for the screening room.
6: Sure, it's 880 Alberta Drive. That's Amherst that was directly behind the Eastern Hills Mall or part of the mall on the Alberta Drive side.
2: Right, right next to Macy's. We'd exactly. love to see it's gonna be a fascinating study, six weeks on end times. We're gonna talk about this whole thing of impeachment, what's happening in the Middle East, mm-hmm. but more importantly, what the Bible says about end times. We're living in it. We're gonna be looking for you on Thursday night. Give us a call again, that number bill, 716-229-8000 or one 2920 Thanks for listening. This is Crossside Radio. We love you. God bless you.
1: You have been listening to Cross-Eyed, a radio talk show sponsored by Joshua Revolution. If Crossside has been a blessing to you, please let us know by sending in a testimony of how the program has helped you. If you would like to support Crossside financially, you can send financial gifts as well as testimonies to Joshua Revolution, PO Box 923 Grand Island, New York 14072 or go online to joshuarevolution.org. We thank you for your help and prayers and remember to tune in next week at 9 p.m. for Crossside, a radio show proclaiming the message of the cross.